Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others won't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply Um, Let's go. Uh, Russell Edshaw here, Richard Shaw, live from the bunker, air traffic control, headphones on. Um, very organised bookshelves, a guitar on the wall. Do you play guitar? Yeah. I do play guitar, mate. Yeah. What's your favourite? I got guitar and some axes. You can't. You got to, If you're going to see it, you got to see it properly. You oh, see yeah, axe up yeah. there? Medieval. Yeah, yeah. Medieval yeah. axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to inquire any more about that, uh, what's your favourite song? What's your favourite song you can play on the guitar? Um, I, I like "Side of Silence." Sound of Silence. Sorry, by Simon and Garfunkel. Caleb hates it, so I play it probably more than I should, just as a bit of kind of because Caleb plays the guitar. He's really good. He's a lot better than me actually. Mm. Um, but we enjoy jamming together. It's quite a cool father-son thing to do. But I've I played for a long time. I really enjoy it. I probably it's one of those things that sits there and I think, oh, I, could, I would enjoy playing that a bit more. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I enjoy. Just, and how my mind works. It just reminded me. Uh, Grant Beasley rang me this morning. Grant is really good at the guitar. I said, is he? I said, oh, it's brilliant. I said I'd call him back in 10 minutes. My life has <laughs> got... I've just written him on my hand, so... Uh, and if he's still got that full beard with that guitar, that's a pretty cool look, isn't it? Yeah, he's practically, oh. he's practically in the chilli pants. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, cool. So, look, we're going to hopefully chat all things parenting and sport and, and stuff like that. Um I mean, you're, you're, well, should we start? What's your backstory? What's, what's, why are we here? Why are we on this? Uh, on this um, I think just, so my, I've always loved sport. I love connecting with people. Um, I thoroughly enjoy things like Duke of Edinburgh and going and doing service. Like I became a cub leader when I did my Duke of Edinburgh and I went and worked in old people's homes and things like that. So I've always enjoyed kind of hanging out with people in that Um in that kind of supportive, encouraging way. Uh, I took a year out, went to South Africa, worked for a church in South Africa doing their youth work, which was just phenomenal. Uh, um, Realised I was ridiculously out of my depth, but loved loved the sporting culture of South Africa, um, but wanted to come home and do youth work in the UK. So I did a degree in youth work in Lancaster, uh, so community and youth studies, then went and worked for a church. Uh, did a bit of youth work at, at, had that kind of early 20s I'm going to save the world kind of philosophy I'm going to sort all these kids out and realised really quickly even through running a skate park and other bits and pieces that kids went home and home has just a significantly huge power over kids and um, if I was going to be consistently impacting these young people I needed to be engaging with home in a far more productive supportive um, holistic way so that kind of that kind of shift came in my early 20s and, and then started to really do 
family orientated work trying to work with young people and their parents at the same time trying to resource parents a bit better encourage parents then moved to a place called Harold Hill in Romford uh, which is quite a deprived community and uh, just started running loads of parenting courses for the local authority uh, doing lots of uh, in South End I've done lots of mentoring work for the local authority uh, with parents and, and young parents and um, young teens who were kind of on the child protection register or there were safeguarding issues kicking around so carried that on when we moved to Havering again um, did a little bit of youth work here but again saw the need to try and help parents engage with their children where there are children at. and the community we live in have, have a really strong family ethic really strong family bond family trumps everything so family can treat you really really badly but they're still family so you know that's that's tight so just trying to work out how you kind of work and support in that in that environment the church i work for at the moment uh, you know that it's a small little church it's based around food and families hanging out together and we kind of do communion and reflect on faith and and what would help us as a community thrive but it's a part-time role so non-perfect dad started four years ago and then about three years ago i started doing stuff in sport and met good people like yourself and fletch and waltz and um it's kind of catapulted from there and now i have this incredible privilege of half my week on harold hill and half my week i suppose in pathway environments or independent schools primarily helping them think about effectively engaging parents and running some of that parent engagement for them nice well what's been your successes let's start with the good stuff what's where do you you know what kind of feedback are you getting from parents or kids or coaches what's what's that look like i think i think part of my challenge is i'm a bit of a traveling jester so you pop in somewhere and then you disappear and so so i think some of the stories that are really encouraging is when i go back somewhere and a, and a parent will come up to you afterwards and say do you know what that was you know, I just got to say, last time you played that game and it impacted me like this. So like the Jenga game and getting parents to shout at, at people playing Jenga. Uh, one dad that just clearly profoundly affected me, spoke to me afterwards, and then he spoke to me again three months later. And he, he, he clearly motivated change in, in, who, in who he was and what he's done. I also find it an incredible privilege. I don't know it's whether, because I tell people I'm a church minister, so they kind of use the post-talk thing as almost confessional or whatever. But, but it, it's kind of parents come up to me and kind of share a, a painful dark part of their story maybe they feel because i'm safe because i'm an outsider and um and i just consider that an incredible privilege to be able to say oh, that's totally normal you, you're doing a great job forgive yourself move on you know it's not too late to kind of r- repair this um and, and move forward so i find that an incredible privilege but if i was honest i think that is part of the question about parents and engaging parents is how much success are we actually seeing how do we how do we measure that and what what does that look like and, and it's being very much coach driven at the moment which i'm really excited about but i'm what i i am left wondering how much parents are engaging in this in the long term and i'm very conscious that i don't want to be you know traveling jester turn up do my thing people really enjoy it you've seen it people laugh but yeah. it ticks a box and i think there's a real danger so i'm really excited when like danny the uh, question director of question stuff at millfield messages me with vid- films he's done of the kids telling the parents why they enjoy sport and those videos have kind of gone viral on their little network and things like that hearing coaches take on board some of the the, the philosophies that i have about parental engagement that i use in my sessions and then trying to trying to coach parents really i think that that for me is the big question about my own work and the way institutions are engaging with parents at the moment is are we informing parents 
and starting to recognize that they are important in this partnership or are we actually trying to coach them to 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 be a fuller version of themselves not just for our own ends but to give them that support to step away from some of the cultural um ruts you know habits traditions whatever however you want to describe them that we've kind of got into because i'm i am wary of just saying we we give a really good information hour and that's enough i mean you know you know in your own life i know in my life i might have a really good information hour i've got some of these books behind me are books because i've seen people present i thought this is really good stuff but unless you're kind of coached mentored supported empowered whatever the trendy words you want to use to, to kind of embody that new way of thinking then it, it i think it just tends to stay stuck so i i'm excited about the cpd i do in with coaches when i go into sessions when i when when people book me for a parenting talk i try and say i'm coming as long as i can do a cpd beforehand it doesn't cost you any extra i just i want to do a cpd beforehand about how to engage with parents because i want to help coaches see parents in a better light and 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 be more realistic about their expectations when they work with them well, so I've got a few questions. First one is, well, in that, you know, let's say it's an hour with coaches, what would be your two or three top tips? So, you know, real... I, I, th- I think my two or three top tips, firstly, try and try and realise where parents are coming from, okay? Um, you know, it's very, very normal, very understandable that we all get fixed into our own narrative and what we're doing because that's, that's what we're passionate about. But, you know, a parent may have three or four kids, they're juggling three or four kids with three or four different sporting habits in... in, in you know work might be stressful they might be going through a stressful separation they might actually just be really happy but you know juggling all that is still you know you and i before we started recording we're just saying actually how grateful we were that the the winter has scuppered some sporting fixtures so we can have a bit of a normal family weekend um and i think so i think sometimes parental behavior is is driven by the fact that they're in parenting is a bit of a whirlwind at times and and then you have a coach who makes changes last minute or upsets a child unnecessarily or doesn't communicate very well and so that is going to put parents backs up because they're trying to juggle all these different emotional balls um i know in my own household that one of my children particularly uses sport that's the thing they love most in the whole week you know everything else is a complete stress in the week for them particularly schoolwork and then it's that's funny it's exactly the same (laughs) and then if sport doesn't go well or sport is mucked about in Look, the weather happening, you can't control that. And I actually think it's really helpful that kids learn that you can't control everything and the weather sometimes gets in the way of life. And that's just that's just a normal bump you have to deal with, isn't it? But I think there are some things that coaches could be doing to remember parents live in a wider bubble than just getting their child to your sporting fixture at 10 o'clock on a certain day and just being a bit more compassionate and generous in how you engage with them, that that's their context. You know, that's why give them a big smile praise their kid to them i've just got to say you know fred just love his enthusiasm for table tennis or whatever and um you know i've just got to say to you rusty a couple of weeks ago i saw him really look after a new kid at school i thought i just thought that would thrill you it thrilled us to see that you know just it doesn't take much to kind of just step into the parents world and kind of encouragement so i think that would be the first one um secondly i think just remember sport holds a really weird place in society. I think a really positive place, but, but sport, sport culturally does something to us. I don't think anything else really does. It's a beautiful thing of escapism. It's emotionally, it's, it's very tribal. It's very emotional and it's quite, and that's all good. But then when you put a child playing that, that can create a very interesting mix of emotions. And so I think um, we have to be very careful about how we manage those emotions of parents 
um, the level of expectations we have about parents' behaviour on the sideline. Um, I'm not saying we let them get away with stuff, but I think just trying to be kind of realistic around that. Um, and and I think sometimes the way in which our behaviour as coaches or environments drives that emotion, I think we need to think about that and just be quite careful about how we represent ourselves um, to parents. So that would be two. Um, and I think, I think the last one is, is recognize that you, that mum and dad have more influence than you do over those kids. Even if you are really, really positive, I really, even and most coaches I meet are wonderful influences over the kids. I'm so grateful. I'm genuinely so grateful for the coaches in my kids' life. So my daughter's drama coaches just hold such a beautiful place in her life. I love it. I'm so glad that my daughter has adults like that in her life but I am more powerful than they are. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's the bottom line. And that's not because that's, so it's not that they can speak in good stuff, but, but, but actually what that means is I, they need to be partnering with me. If they want to see Jess thrive in drama, they, 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 they would do better to partner with me more. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm assuming you've seen the Wellington data where coaches came forth and the kind of level of importance for kids on their journey after dad mum teacher then coach yeah. so i mean it would be critical some of the stuff i wrote down there i've just been thinking about some of the stuff i've seen you do and definitely around praising character over yeah you know other stuff um about creating some um experiences that would bring to life some stuff for coaches so that might be the the Jenga and the kids are shouting at them or the adults are shouting at them or it might be that the, the, the adults are playing rugby and they're being shouted at by the kids and how does that make you feel? I, really well, like I think, I think especially if, if, we, if we accept that, that sport does do this emotional thing to us that nothing else does <laughs> and has this place in our culture, then our parent engagement for me, that's why I do those type of, ask those type of provocative questions. Uh, I mean, I have lots of fun with parents. So I'd be like, what's the worst thing you can say in the car when? Um, and I come up with lots of scenarios and I say, you've not said this, but if I'm in a pathway, I always, the last question I always leave is what's the worst thing you can say when you've just had the phone call saying that, I don't know, I was with sale sharks yesterday. So let's say sale aren't going to, aren't going to, you're not carrying on with sale anymore. And you can see the emotional energy in the room go from fun. Oh, we're laughing at injury to bloody hell. That's that is a very high percentage we're going to get that phone call. And yeah, to give parents that emotional understanding there and then of, actually, that hurts now and we're just pretending, right? So that hurts now and we're just pretending. How are you going to manage your hurt and how are you going to manage your child's hurt? So I think you're right. Giving them that experience that isn't just saying, oh, at some point the majority of kids will leave this pathway. And, you know, it doesn't mean we think you're a bad person. We hope you get a lot from us. It's actually we want to help them connect with that experience of that moment of pain earlier so they're better equipped for it yeah my uh, some of my friends had uh, <coughs> received an email from a football club that their nine-year-old was no longer in the uh, program <laughs> that was that was fun uh, the other stuff i wrote you know and actually in a, and, and also in a positive way so clickers is a good example of actually mm. let's yeah, 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 yeah. the time we're doing a positive um, I really like your stuff around questions and obviously you've got your book on that to scaffold parents in terms of the questions they might ask. My mother always gets a notable mention now. Did you win? Did you, <laughs> did you get rid of the match? No, no, no. I'm dying. I'm dying. I, I call them the three ugly sisters of, of sporting questions. I just think like that is, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and for me, my mum, bless her. Sorry, mum, if you're sick. My mum always, always asks a question about what went wrong. You know, my mum, bless her, prepares you herself. For podcasts, no, thankfully, <laughs> I think I'm all right. 
I, I think, think I'm so. I think I'm safe as well. A bit risky, but I think I'm safe. But I. But my mum, bless her, has has conditioned herself or allowed herself to be conditioned to expect catastrophe. So my mum's first question is, you, you know, so I drove to sale yesterday and back, and I phoned her on the way home. She's like, "Oh, is the traffic awful? I bet the traffic's awful, isn't it?" And it and it took me, and and that's part of the reason why I wanted to write that book and and offer questions. Well, there's two reasons. One, I wanted to offer questions to change the narrative, to give kids a voice in that, because I think when parents are asking questions, you're getting more back from the kids. You're giving kids a bigger voice in that narrative. But secondly, I genuinely just think if we said to parents be nicer in the car journey they they don't they don't parents i don't think want to be coached about parenting i think that's the other challenge we want to be coaching parents but i don't think parents overly engage in that very easily or naturally parents are quite i find parents very defensive about moving forward it's part of the reason why the first thing i do in all my meetings is get them to stand up and give each other a standing ovation a because i genuinely believe without them the kids wouldn't have got there and secondly because I want them them to start the meeting going, oh, actually, he's for us. And the feedback that I get that saddens me a little bit is when people put, it was really positive. I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, how sad that you thought you were going to get a bollocking. You thought you you were going to be made to feel guilty (laughs) by coming. You were giving up an hour of your time, and you thought we were going to make you feel guilty (laughs) for being a parent. How sad have we got this kind of parental organizational relationship if parents are coming expecting a guilt trip? Um, I mean, I'll give you a good good line example as well. So I know a guy who works in a hockey pathway who just, you know, on his WhatsApp group with the parents, he'll just send them a couple of example questions after a game or in the the build-up to a game, he'd share some stuff around, this is what we've been practising this week, so here's some stuff you might notice and you've got a clicker, you might want to measure it. Um, Lots of examples where, you know, well in advance of match you know we're talking about what what behavior would help support the kids what is it that the kids want from us today to help us support them best so i've definitely seen some transfer of um of some of your the stuff that you're doing oh, bless gary he's a good guy isn't he? i i think that he's <laughs> brilliant and i for me i think that's the reframing we need to get better at doing and I think there's a real chance for people like me and you because um, when we see bad parent behavior and you and I often have a little bit of a WhatsApp or a text message or a phone call and, you know, you'll put something up about bad behavior you've seen or I will. And it, and it, lots of coaches will tick that, like that, share that. And, and I think there's a danger that we're kind of constantly feeding into that, to the all parents are bad narrative. I know you don't mean that. I don't mean that. But if you, if you look back through your tweets and my tweets, they're the ones that get loads of energy from coaches. And I kind of feel like, is that coaches just kind of reinforcing biased stereotypes that we're going to scapegoat parents for what's going wrong in our environment hang and, them, and hang, it, them. hang them? Yeah. <laughs> our bloody parents. If only they understood how great we were with their kids instead of going, actually there will, there will always be parents like that, Rusty. I mean, I, I, when I, <clears throat> when I get what's someone, your, what's your opening line? someone asked me, Ed Hall, what's your opening line to challenge behavior? So you're on the side of a pitch, for example, yeah. I mean, and, and there's a parent and he's on the pitch and he's shouting and screaming and it's, and it's inappropriate. What's, what's happening? I mean, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? I, I, I hate it. I personally hate it. I mean, I, when I go and watch sport now, I go and stand as far away from the parents as I can do <clears throat> on the whole because, you know, it's funny because yeah, I, was, I, mean, I, was talking about, I was talking about a parent. I was talking about a parent around our Sunday table afterwards and, um, and one of my kids said, Dad, what if they got really cross with you for talking with them? And I was like, well, I'm, part of me really wants them to say, and who made you the touchline kind of referee or something like that? And I would go, well, actually, there's quite a long list of people who have made me, but that's just my own ego talking. I, for, 
I, I try to stay away personally because I know it triggers me because I just want kids to have fun. I don't understand why we're screaming at kids or standing on the pitch. But I think Ed's question is really, really helpful for two reasons. One, a parent who's in that frame of mind, you know, if you read the chimp paradox and things like that, that they're, that's, they're in an already heightened state. They're in quite a tribal state. That I think kind of a blunt challenge at that point is, is likely to get you a slap in the face or a punch, <laughs> if I was being really honest. Um, and and I've, I've got a glass jaw and I'm a wimp. So I think for me... I think for me, it's about standing next to them going, oh, that team are playing really, really well, aren't they? Trying to distract them, trying to see what's happening. I always get really sad when I don't see parents cheer for both teams. You know, those parents who are so involved and so engaged, they just cheer for their own child or or their own team. So I might stand next to them and go, oh, that was a good tackle, wasn't it? That was a good... Just, Just to try and change the narrative a little bit just to try and shake it up a little bit i that i have a couple of times when people have been um shouting at the ref said i, I come on i don't think that's fair um is, is that helpful is that helpful for your child engaging this um but i'm i'm wary of challenging a parent there and then without an official role because i think parents are in a heightened state of 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 whatever so i think ed's question is really really good I think for a coach who's in that role, I think at half time, just to say to all the parents, guys, can we just remember it's fun? Try not to make it personal and shame one person. Um, the lollipop idea, I have mixed feelings about the lollipop idea. I think part of me thinks the lollipop idea works. Um, and if you know the parents well, What's so the lollipop idea, sorry, the, I, think it was, I think it was Nick Wilkinson who came up with this, but someone else tweeted up about it, didn't they? I think the idea is if someone's being too gobby on the sideline, the coach just gives them a lollipop, basically to say, here, suck on this and shut up. Um, and I think you can get away with that if you know the parents and you've got a good level of rapport and banter with them. Um, I would be personally wary of shaming somebody um, in public because I just don't think that adds to the rhetoric at all. I don't think that helps. But I think that sideline that sideline matter. But I, then I might just, I might, I might try and pluck up the courage midweek to email that person and say, look, what's the story there? What's the yeah. story? I mean, my son's team is coached by a, a parent who once in a while coaches for the school and he's a bit of a remote controller coach. And I just, you know, gently try and challenge him at the beginning of the game. You know, oh, how, what, what are you going to cheer for today? You know, it's kind of become a little bit of a banter. Have I silenced him? No. Am I happy with everything he says? No. Is it better than it was? Yes, probably. So um, progress, not perfection. I don't know. Um, I mean, I was with, I went to watch, I went to watch my son play, but he, his coaches assisted to get out there hours before, and so they were warming up. So I walked, walked the dog and watched some junior matches. And there were four two coaches and two parents from one team, I think it was an under nine match, just screaming at these kids. And then one dad who was standing nearby, um, after me watching for about three or four minutes, finally said something positive to this team that we're playing. And I just said to this dad at the top of my very quiet, subtle voice, that's the first positive thing I've heard from this sideline in the last five minutes. Thank you for trying to improve. You know, very, I mean, it's slightly passive aggressive, but not, so that's not cool to do that. But it, the other coaches heard me say that and they got better after that. So, so, so I think it is a really difficult thing. If you've got a badge on that gives you ownership of some authority, I think it's a bit easier to do. If you're just a parent, I would try and distract or walk away. Yeah, I, tend to, I tend to go and have conversations to distract to start with. Not all the time, though. Sometimes I do think this is completely inappropriate, what you're doing, yeah. the way you're shouting at kids. I mean, I saw a really good... Uh, it was quite funny the other week. I went and walked to uh, Molesford, and Henry Weeks was uh, 
refereeing and uh, one of the dads on the winning team ran over and went, well done, great work, great work, whatever the team was. And, uh, and, and Henry reminded him that both teams had played well and uh, that he should probably be congratulated. And he went, oh, yes, of course, of course. Ah, that's nice. And I like Beckles that. talks about, you know, it's, a good, um, it's probably a good litmus test of <clears throat> are they praising both teams? Yeah, so, I think I mean, that's good. I mean, I... I think that, and like I say, so I try and stand next to those parents. I can think of one dad at the school who, who I, I don't, their whole manner is just very aggressive. And I, I know that if I tried to challenge one-to-one, I, there would be a very big confrontation. The sad thing is the school know about it and they haven't challenged him. So, uh, not very quick. So, uh, you know, although he doesn't look like he's that quick either, so I might get away with it. Um, but, um, uh, but, but I do just stand next to him and praise the other team on purpose. What are your thoughts on, I mean, I discussed this the other day, what are your thoughts on, you know, as a, cl- as a club or as a school, you go, look, this is, this is how we behave. This is the, you know, and actually, you know, you contact clubs and schools in advance and you go, look, these are, these are our rules of engagement. We can't, uh, not give too much instruction, we, you know, actually, and we'd love you to, to, to adhere to that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's a really good idea. I think, though, you have to equip people to do it well. So if you do that, I I, I mean, there's those classic things that are shared on Twitter a lot. You you know, at this club, we respect people as a sign when people get there. And that's fine. But but personally, I would, if you're going to do that, I might ask the referee, because I'm guessing the referee's from the home team, just to call all the parents together. Um, So when the boys are having their boots inspected by a side, side, just to call all the parents together and say, I don't know if you know, but if you got the message this week, but this is how we operate on the side. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to be perfect. This is what we, this is what we look for here as a club. We don't, we don't do excessive instructions. We certainly don't do negative shouting and we, we do ask parents to leave. I think, I think, so I think you need to kind of, there needs to be spoke, they need to be spoken to, to do that. I think even better would be if you're the club and you're emailing the other club at the beginning of the week saying, looking forward to seeing you. Here's a two minute video of our kids saying how we behave at this club. Can you share it on your team WhatsApp group? Because you also need to know that if we don't have that behavior here, we end games and we ask parents to leave, you know, so you're, so you're equipping parents a bit easier to, to get that because the sign, the thing is there's signage everywhere. Parents are sent emails every two minutes from every organization their kids belong to. I'm not saying it's right that they don't read them all, but they don't read them all. So (laughs) this is the world we live in. We live in a social media world. So if you can produce a really good little video that gets shared on WhatsApp groups, get parents and and whatever together 10 minutes before the start and say, and I might even be blunt and say, listen, I know some of you are going to struggle with that because that's not what you're used to. So why don't you just talk in your own teams because you know who struggles with that and just say to them, come on, we'll we'll hold you accountable. Because here, fun and kids' enjoyment, Comes out. I would love to see that at some of the environments that I go into a bit more. Yeah. Anastasia at uh, Trinity was talking about she'd all, and she that they would do that and then go beyond that. So the challenge for every parent is go and find a kid that's not your own on each team and give them a bit of positive feedback at the end. Yeah, love it. It might be done really kind of casually, so it doesn't feel like it's forced as well. Um, and I think. Um, who is it? Oh, I can't think of his name. Rich is in his Twitter feed. Sorry, mate. Um, but um, but he gets parents from the opposition to select man of the player of the match from yeah. from the other team. So you're saying to the parents of the other team, we want you to choose their player of the game. Um, okay. And these are the criteria. And these are the criteria. It's not just the kid who scores the most tries or goals or, or yeah. is the fastest. Um, look, I think the, the reality is the parenting conversation, somebody needs to get uncomfortable. 
okay somebody so i think one of, that was one of the questions that i was asked what's the most uncomfortable question you've ever been you've you've ever had to one or unco- you asked or one of the questions you asked yourself no that wasn't one of the questions I asked myself so one of the questions someone else put was what's the most uncomfortable question, conversation you, you've ever had to have yeah. and I think and I think the reality is for those of us who are coaches and in power we we regularly have to have we we have to have the courage to be the initiators of uncomfortable questions so there's that whole modern um trendy thing you know everyone get comfortable being uncomfortable but who initiates the discomfort and who has the courage to do that in a way that's playful creates curiosity is loving is really helpful you, you know mar- modeling our values around how we coach young people how do we create discomfort for, how do we have the courage to create discomfort for parents in a way that invites them to be curious you can't guarantee they'll be curious because they're in charge of their own responses to that but but having that that discomfort to have that conversation with parents to have that um to say to parents that we get it we get that this isn't easy and, and we want to kind of own that conversation. Um, I think, I think it's really important that coaches just for five minutes before and after the session, have the courage to look, try and look as many parents in the eye and say hi to them. And how was your week? Listen to people's weeks, listen to what they come to. Um, and, and, and I'm not expecting coaches to be excellent dealers with parents, but, but coaches I think do need to think in their head, even if it's just a time and it's like, like 5%, 10% of my time is going to be, really drawing in on that parent resource and i'm going to get uncomfortable doing that because i'd rather just be coaching kids and some of the parents will find us a pain but actually i'm going to look parents in the eye um and um i think anastasia is a great example they're doing that they're clearly doing that regularly Um, i was thinking about i mean yeah i would back in the day when rusty worked in the school i think that would be a big part of it is actually the pre-match with the parents and chatting to them something to think about is where you have huddles so you can have huddles near parents and talk about the positives and having good players to bounce off good stuff amongst each other so that the parents are hearing that um i know at falcons they have parents in the huddles so the parent you know and that might feel quite uncomfortable for a parent but actually hearing well this is our focus for today's game or how we review stuff and that would be good good tricks really i mean it probably ties on a little bit so i think ian hollingworth the mighty Ian Hollingworth. Oh, love him. He's just down the road from me. It's awesome. Harrison, the PPP, has asked about, so this is clearly important for coaches. It's clearly like, it's a bit, it's, it's troublesome as well. Um, oh, it is. How would, you know, what do you think can happen in terms of coach education, coach development? Would you put it on the, because it's currently not a big part of the, you know, the levels. Would no, you it's not. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see lots of coaching conferences again and again and again. Very rarely is there um, a parenting expert, in inverted commas, I'm not sure I'd like that title, but you know what I mean, kind of voice to come and speak because it is a different skill to coach and engage with parents than it is to coach and engage with kids. I, I think, firstly, to be fair to NGOs, they're just trying to get, I mean, they're trying to get coaches who put their hands up at a local club to try and at least have the basics of understanding of the game and the basic concepts of coaching. So I think they're fighting a little bit of an uphill battle. Personally, I think we ask too much of our volunteers and, and having come from like the church environment, you know, herding volunteers is like herding cats at times because you have no real power unless you're going to kind of get rid of them. Yeah. You know, it's very, you know, what are you, it's, and then you no longer have that team. It's, it's a very emotive, difficult balance. What we did at church and I would encourage sports clubs to do is we ran a number of groups, we ran a number of youth groups, and then we said, we're going to do training. And the leaders were all like, oh, we don't have time. We're busy. We're tired. I was like, yep, yeah, I totally understand that. In that case, then we're running youth group for 10 weeks of the 12 week term. And for two of those weeks, we're having training. 
So the kids, oh, the kids will miss out. No, they won't miss out because for that 10 weeks, you'll be 10 times better than you were for those two weeks. So personally, I think that coach CPD, coach development needs to be an ingrained part of club life so that, and, and, we, and we put that sometimes above engaging with young people and children. And, and I think that would give NGOs would then have more time to develop to apply to this sort of stuff. I, th- I think if I was honest, I don't think that we've really figured out exactly what we want to do with parents, which is why it doesn't necessarily appear on the parent on, on the NGO radar. And I think, um, I think that was one of my cheeky questions. One of my cheeky questions to myself is, you know, are sports clubs seeing parents still a little bit like the stereotypical mother-in-law? You, you know, we know that she has some kind of use. Um, we've got to see her at Christmas, maybe a little bit in the summer holiday, but h- half the time we suspect she's trying to undermine our power. Now that is a stereotypical mother. I hate to have my mother-in-law is awesome. I know that's not everyone's experience, but I'm very fortunate and lots of mother-in-laws are really good and lots of mother-in-laws are even worse than the stereotype. So that's just, that's just people. But, but I just want, I, I don't think I, I, I'm seeing in some pathways, them embracing parents. Falcons is a good example um, of how they've really got, um, got their parent engagement the fact that when i went to do a session with falcons and i went to play four games with the parents and one of falcons mantras is beat the game and every game i tried to play the parents were trying to beat the game straight away and i was like this is flipping awesome because this means that these parents have got this and they're trying to embody it right now and we and that led to some really interesting conversations and and some really interesting adaptations of the games that i'm going to play so so sorry to go go back to that question i think ngos need to really work out what they what they think and feel about parents and um uh, because I still get the sense that they still feel they're a tag on <laughs> to the development of this young person and child, regardless of whether that development leads to national glory or lifelong enjoyment of sport. I still think that they are, well, I think I said when I spoke to Stu Armstrong, you know, everyone believes in the old adage, it takes a village to raise a child, but everybody believes their part of the village is more important than everybody else's part of the village. And I think, I think that's why we're not seeing parent engagement in 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 cpd stuff and also it's just really tricky because like you say because at one level it's extreme conflict and i would want to see coaches better equipped for that um because i don't think we're equipping coaches on how to handle conflict very well but that isn't a very quick cpd um um, and i think the self-awareness that comes around conflict resolution is is massive I mean, I've done um, one of these folders behind me is a whole thing I've done on, on mediation. And it was just the best bit about that that I did was it was all around my own self-awareness about how I handle conflict. But it has meant that I'm better able to handle the more interesting characters of life when they <laughs> present themselves to me. But I, but I think we could certainly equip coaches with three or four simple tactics to deal with the conflict side. And then I think Ian's right. The, the stuff around working with stakeholders it isn't it doesn't seem to be there yeah i mean at any any real level the other thing that i think fits alongside this and, and i think it's going to hopefully get a bit of traction with the RFU as well is is rich berry stuff around mental health and teenage brain and young boys and suicide and you know actually as as he, you know as he would say why would you why would you shout at someone if you don't know they've got a alcoholic parent at home shouting at them and you, you don't know what they're experiencing so I think there's a, you know, that's that's a bit of a moment when people hear that for the first time, when they see the stats around around suicides in young boys, when they see the impact on mental health, 
when they see the potential upsides of really strong attachment and good relationships. And um, it, it definitely made me think about how I parent. Um, and as I said, we were just talking about earlier, I went to see um, Beautiful Boy yesterday and I just wanted to get home and hug my kids. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, interestingly, it starts out with, you know, he, he, he's, he's taking drugs with his dad. So that's not a good start. Now, the, the, one of the worst painting experiences I ever had, and I, and I regret the way I dealt with this. And I just started working with a school locally. They just commissioned us, uh, us being the local authority, to deliver some parenting courses for them. And I was kind of taking the recruitment lead on that. And they'd given me the name of a lad locally. And I went to see the the mum. I'd arranged to see the mum and dad. And I arrived at the house, and it, cle- it clearly wasn't a meeting with mum and dad. It was clearly. it was clearly caught in front of the entire family um and and the boy was just saying lots of aggression lots of disruptive behavior um clearly not having a good time at school i could understand the referral from looking at his kind of the behavior that he was expressing which i would uh which i totally understood when i sat down in that room and basically six children um including this lad and mum and dad were in this room and dad just went through every child and just told me how amazing they were except this one lad and then just turned around and said he he's a little swore a lot of times but i just want you to know five of them in here are perfect and he isn't so i'm telling you right now this is not our problem it's him i'm not coming on a parenting course you need to sort him out and i and i, I you know and i i had to use every bit of self-control i had not to just swear at the bloke and i and i regret not challenging him there in front there in front of his family i should have just taken the risk and gone i'm sorry that's a ridiculous that would have been your, that would have been your one replay in life for gary johnson who asked for that was one of his three questions he said uh, when's a difficult second book Second album coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, I mean, what, how do you think the book's having impact? What have you heard? I've heard some some stuff. I mean, Gary's obviously using it religiously. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, bless him. He's a good, he's a good, uh, he's a good ambassador for it. I, I, mate, I just, I've got messages from all over the place of people. I think what re, what the messages I really enjoy is when parents say, "Oh, I asked this question," and the answer blew my mind. Yeah. A, I couldn't believe how simple the kid's answer was, and B, so I think one guy put it, a guy from Scotland said he asked his daughter um, a, a question, I can't remember what it was now, um, oh yeah, what would you like me to do for you on game day, which I think is the most simple question, I can't believe we're not coaching parents to ask that question yeah. in every environment, it's the thing I say to parents after my session, if you take nothing else from my session, please just do this, please just ask your child, what do you want me to do for you on game day and on training day, and this, this girl just said to him, be on your phone less, and he had no idea. Yeah, no, you know, it just gave him that that window straight away, and, and I and I, um, you know, I ask my kids those sort of questions occasionally. Um, my youngest is pretty good at telling me off for being a rubbish dad. How can I be a parenting coach? Um, yeah. you, you know, mate, it was brilliant the other day. She was really, really cross about something, and I was just this. I said, and um, she was really cross with one of her siblings. Um, and I was like, and before you got angry, do you know what? Do you know? Do you know how you felt? You know, before you got angry there might have been another emotion. I don't know. Do you remember that emotion before? Because actually she, she just felt really jealous of her brother. That was really, really obvious, but it just came out as anger. So I did, I just didn't know if she'd recognized. And I chose totally the wrong moment, totally non-perfect dad. Moment. Is this one of your stupid talks again? I cannot believe people go to listen to your stupid talks. <laughs> <laughs> and people, 
you are such a boring, stupid dad. <laughs> Honestly, I was biting my lips so hard. Sometimes it hurts, but it was just the way. And I was like, okay, I don't. I did. I did a part. I said, okay, maybe I didn't ask that the right way. But I am just generally just want you to to, to think a little bit about that. Anyway, it was. It was that's an awkward conversation. Yeah, in, case, I, in case you didn't realise, I've had some rave reviews recently. Yeah, exactly. Go look on my Amazon reviews. Oh, well, Caleb, again, Caleb was hilarious because Alison asked him a question and he went, is people paying for that? <laughs> Cheeky sod. But then they had a 20-minute conversation about stuff they'd never talked about. And, and for me, just hearing a number of little stories about that, I am... I am concerned that a, a resource like that, because I think it is a good resource, but is coaches still putting it on to parents? And and I want to be saying to coaches, when you give it out, resource parents, equip parents to be able to ask these questions, get parents excited about the potential fruit. You ask coaches, ask, get a copy of the book yourself and ask like Gary's doing, ask the kids the questions in front of the parents, listen to the, let the kids show the parents kind of all these cool stuff that come out and then say to the parents, listen, that's in that book would, would yeah, encourage you yeah. to carry on. And, and actually I think I haven't sorted this out, but in the next couple of months, I think I will repackage it so that, so that schools, so that clubs and things like that, if they promise not to send it out on bulk to all the parents can actually just cut a question out and put it in the WhatsApp group every week. Cause there's 40 questions there. So yeah. just, just cut a question, drop that into your team WhatsApp group. Um, it's all, you know, so you don't have to type it out. Just drop a whole lot in that. Cool. How um, do your kids describe you? Gary's third question. How would your kids describe you in one word, which is going to be hard for you? Loud. <laughs> um, awesome probably they're all I, my kids are so different i think each of them would 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 describe me really really different i mean caleb's now 14 so it would probably be semi-negative it'd be semi-negative jess jess is awesome um jess is my brave one i don't know but jess just has no fear she you know you put a new dish in front of her she'll try it i, I live in east london and jelly deals is the it's a delicacy around here. I can't stand them. They're awful, but you can put any flavor jelly deals in front of it. And Jess will just be, she's the one who'll give it a go. She's just, um, so if I go on an adventure later in life, I want to take Jess with me because she'll be like, yeah, adventure. Let's go and give it a go, dad. Um, and Anya, well, I tell Anya every day I love her and she just loves to come out to me and say, I hate you just as sheer fun. And we just, that's our little banter. You know, we, we leave it like that. Oh, I tell you what Anya would say, I'm a good, uh, Anya would say, it's not one word, but Anya and I, I did it with the other two. Well, in fact, I did it primarily with Jess. I made up a story of a princess who was looking for a prince because she was talking about boyfriends. And basically all these boys turned up who were just complete Muppets. And I just basically explained why the princess wouldn't go out with a Muppet like that. So one, one bloke was always on his phone. Uh, one bloke just talked about himself. Uh, you know, one bloke wanted her to chess and change. And, and all this subliminal messaging. But then with Anya... Anya and I do made up stories all the time. The problem is I'll make a story up one night and say, we'll do the next chapter the following night, but come the following night, I can't remember what the characters are called. I can't remember. Dad is confused. <laughs> I do about the Prince and the Princess and putting girls off uh, having a boyfriend. I'll, I'll use that one. Well, no, I wasn't necessarily putting her off, but just the wrong type of... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. A couple of questions off Wilco. So you obviously reference the fact you did um something where the parents gave a card to the referee so they yeah some positive feedback i mean uh, have you ever used those or thought about using those with parents um yeah well so when i came into your environment while you were still with the rfu england 18 i think 
one of the most emotive i always try to make sure my talks aren't too emotive because i don't think that's helpful it's, it's a tricky balance i think there should be emotion but i don't think it should be too emotive i, I think I, I overstepped the mark when i was with you um last easter because i got all the boys to write their parents a thank you card and the parents had never had a thank you card from their sons for their rugby journey i missed that and, they left me and, behind. and um and there weren't many dry eyes in the house, either because their kid only wrote one line and they could see the card next to them had been like completely filled. Yeah. But what was, what was super lovely was talking to the boys beforehand. And, and some of them struggled. Oh, because, you know, particularly boys engaging with mums. So you talked about that research at Wellington. It showed that mums often come bottom of the list for, to talk to about sport. And I said, you know, he's like, I don't know what to say to my mum. So he wanted to write a different card to his mum, to his dad, because he obviously felt his dad was like, had really supported him, but mum hadn't. I said, I said, what do you mean your mum doesn't support you? Well, she just rings me up every week and asks if I'm all right. Well, she does that every week. Yeah, yeah. At the same time every week. Yeah, yeah. Every time at the same week. So, so, so every week without fail, she checks in that you're all right. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's the rugby voice. I'm enjoying that. You, you know. That's a good one if, you, if you've run out of, uh, like I previously have, uh, ideas for birthday presents or Christmas presents, to actually go and get some people that are meaningful in people's lives to, uh, to just write some stuff about them. So I did it for my wife, and it was definitely the best present she ever had. And it was really cheap. Actually, <laughs> the way you're seeing enthusiasm, you um, a real impact upon you know how she you know some real impact, and uh, yeah, it was cool. And often you, it was really interesting because she went to a funeral last week for for a really close friend who's only thirty-seven, and she said all I kept thinking when they so the the girls were they got two young girls and they were they were they did talks, and she said all I kept thinking was. I wonder if he heard all that stuff when he was alive. And often, you know, that's some of that stuff that the kids through, through, you know, writing a card through you to their parents. Oh, mate, very, very powerful. They've probably never heard it before. Mate, mate, totally. And and, and that's where I think I probably should have given the cards out at the end of the meeting. I mean, I could have said to parents, the best way to parent is to stand on your head and talk gobbledygook. And they would have followed me after that one because I was the guy I was the guy who got them a card from their kids who that they'd never received. So... Um, but it was beautiful. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. And, and, you know, I think things like I say, I try and say to my kids, you know, all of them have their own passions, but I try and regularly say to me, you know, if you never did that again, if you stop that today, you'd be no less of a person in my point of view, because you're amazing because of X, Y, Z. Because I love the fact that Anya loves her gymnastics and music and Jess really loves her drama. I mean, she's just brilliant on a stage. The whole life is stage for her. I love Caleb's passion. He's just bought a weight works, um, a weights bench for his bedroom. I mean, he's really, it's slightly worrying me. He's doing too much, but you know, he's loving, he's lo- and I love the, the dedication and stuff he puts into that, but I want, and I know I go on about that a little bit. Like I really enjoy the fact that you enjoy that, but I do try and say to them kind of at least once a month, you know, if you never, if you never did rugby again, never picked up a weight again, you'd still be absolutely awesome in my mind because of X, Y, Z because I just um, I don't want them to feel boxed into an identity yeah. at home because um, they're boxed into identities in school life and all that kind of stuff, aren't they? And it's, it's, it's um, whereas I want to, to kind of broaden that. And likewise, I think I've said this before, but I think it's worth saying again, when, when we have kids come around, Caleb had a little birthday gathering. Uh, I don't know if I've told you this, but we hired one of the big churches have a youth room with a pool table and table tennis table and all this kind of stuff. He had, there were seven of them, 14 year old lads. What did they want to do? They played hide and seek in the dark. 
they just had the run of the place and they just played hide and seek in the dark. And I was like, I kept saying to him, so you guys playing, you're 14, you're playing hide and seek, you're playing in the dark. I was like, all right, okay, that makes it cool then. That makes it really cool. But I just love the fact that how childlike they were when they were just given permission just to play. I mean, I just sat and literally read in the corner. I engaged a little bit, but I just thought this is their space. Um, and the, But when the parents came up, were they all right? You know, were they all right? And, I, and so I made sure I, I got to know each of the kid boys' name because some of them I'd only met and just wanted to say, oh, yeah, he was really good at that. And he he really engaged. And I, I, I really liked the way he engaged that because I knew the parents were straight away be like, were they all right? Yeah, they were more than all right. They played hard to see in the dark, the little children. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> nice. Hey, just one, one last question. So it's a Wilco question, legend. Um, He's talking a bit around festivals and often they're the bit where parents, you know, although they're called festivals, lots of parents and lots of coaches think they're tournaments. Um, and there have been some, some movement around having fair play awards and actually you can be deducted points if your parents misbehave. Mm. Um, upsides of that, downsides of that, what are your thoughts? Well, I think if you're going to deduct points, it's, it, it's very hard because then that's something quite subjective. And then as soon as you've got something subjective, you'll have people saying that they, they were treated unfairly, they weren't. So I think I, I don't I think that's a downside straight away. That's just yeah. that I don't think you shouldn't do it, but I think it's very, very hard to to manage fairly because it is it is a subjective thing. Yeah, I mean I think tournaments are such I mean I remember some of the tournaments we went to, they're such great days out. They they're they, you know, you're all there together with the parents all day. Um, I remember one just in the sun. It was just lovely. I think they can be such brilliant experiences if done well. Uh, again, I think it is primarily down to the coaches and the organisers to think very carefully about how they do that. So I think, again, information to all parents beforehand. You know, If you're coming here, that you will get this. I think that – I think of the tournaments I've been to. I would funnel all the parents. I'd get the kids dropped off somewhere get them met, get all the parents funneled into something where they're all given clickers or a challenge or a competition. Into a holding pen. Yeah, 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 literally into a holding pen, whether that be a beer tent so that it's kind of labelled that, whether it's to get out their parent pack or whatever. And in each parent pack, there's their card and there's somebody like me just doing 10 minutes. So you're on 10 minute kind of turnstile kind of thing. But, but it's just someone to say, look, we, we know this creates, I'm just being re- we've got to be honest with parents, but we know this creates a sense of excitement. Are they going to win? We know that. We recognize that. And we don't have a problem with you enjoying your kid winning. But we do not want that to become X, Y, Z. So here are the behaviors that you need to be looking for in yourself, getting over loud, over whatever. These are behaviors we'd like you to monitor within your team because you know each other better. So here's a pack of lollipops to give each other in the team. So that way they're, they're managing that among themselves. Um, it, here is a, a beer prize for the best behaved parent um, that in your team. So at the end of the day, they get a raffle. So yeah. that you're just, you're making it a really positive thing, but you're being really honest as well. But kind of, look, we get this. This is sport. We love it too. We love to cheer. We love to see them win, but we, but we want to have it fun. But you need to know that we will come around and speak to people as well if we think they're overstepping the mark. But I think the challenge of that, and I think about the tournaments I've been to, you've got to get coaches on board with that as well. I remember some coaches' behaviour at tournaments was just like really not cool i think that's a brilliant thing about kids first and things like that if there are people going to like a kids first a quilter kids first tournament you would hope that the majority of coaches there would be on the same page um and i think here and so when teams turn up here's your pack you talk to all the parents it's a pack of cards for the referee it's a pack of cards for your boys why don't you all just write a card to your boys while they're here you know just 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 lots of 
and I don't think that would be too hard to do. So, so like talking to um, Andy Dawling at Saracens, they've got their part of their under 13 DPP kind of first phase where they're meeting the kids for the first time. And basically they're just going to chaperone all the parents into a room with me <laughs> for an hour, you, you know, uh, because half the parents think they don't need it and we'll go out and watch or, or whatever, didn't get the communication. But if the structures mean you drop your kid off with the coach and you go straight into this holding pen, I think that could be really exciting, really encouraging. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like a good plan to me. Um, if people want to find you, where, where can they find you apart from in the, in the bunker? In the bunker, <laughs> in, in Romford. Um, uh, nonperfectdad.co.uk, Richard Shorter, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the usual places. Um, yeah, any, it'd be great uh, to connect. And any other, um, you know, any other apart from your work, which, which I'm obviously a huge fan of, any other stuff you've noticed or any other... Um, reading around this subject you, you think might be useful for coaches kids parents yeah do you know what? that's um that is a really <laughs> really good question i think the 60 minute father by rob parsons is a really short little book but i think it highlights a lot of stuff around legacy and how you want to be and how you want to think um mm. about stuff i think so that's um that's a great great little book uh to look at i I think that there is, I would watch the film Precious. If you want to watch parenting go awful and ugly, watch the film Precious and then watch the film Juno. Okay. So that would be my kind of parenting homework. Watch those two films. One is, I mean, I, I haven't seen the film, but Precious is horrific. I mean, it is soul destroying, but the end is pretty, pretty good. It's got Mariah Carey in it and she can actually act. I mean, it's, it's quite, uh, you know, but, but the film Juno is brilliant because it's about a teenage girl who gets pregnant and the mom, the stepmom and the dad, I think handle it really it's such a beautiful kind of film um about just being honest with your kids and letting your kids have space it's a really um a really really cool film i would i would watch those two um read those two books um i can't remember a name i've got this book here hang on oh um inventing ourselves Sarah Jane Blackmore, Blakemore. Oh brilliant i'm really really enjoying that um what else am i joining at the moment that i would suggest um I like I like loads of storybooks. I mean, I, I want to compose a list of just good biographies that kids can kind of get into, really. Because I think, as a parent, when you're trying to nag kids about the better way to be, they just feel like they're being nagged. But it's, so in our house, we just try and share stories. Um, try and share stories all the time. So um, I just recently, on audiobook, listened to the story Unbroken, which is about some US pilots in the second world war who get shipwrecked for the longest time someone's ever been on a dinghy it's 40 odd days and then they get captured by the japanese and it's a horrific story but just listening to so that's kind of more of a teenage one um arnold schwarzenegger's book is actually really 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 interesting um and caleb and i have lots and lots of conversations in there about doing the right thing and and what's life about and and it's and it's written just after he separates from his wife so it's fascinating so he's clearly really regrets screwing up the best relationship in his life despite the fact that he's a billionaire and and he's a very entrepreneurial driven focused individual for what he wants and i actually i've got partly because i've got similar sized muscles to him secondly because i I just i'd always caricatured him in a certain way and and it and it kind of and because he reads part of it as well that's quite quite cool he's got such a he's got such a cool voice as well on audible um but 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 I think actually I would encourage parents to connect that way. Find storybooks that you can connect together. I'm just reading Into Silence, which is about Malaroy's attempt at Everest. Right. And it's, it's a phenomenal book. And part of the reason it's phenomenal is because all these young men who tried to climb Everest all experienced World War I. 
And so it's that kind of whole question about what, what is life worth to you when you've seen life treated as worthless? And how do you respond to that? And I actually think it's quite, although Malloy dies in the book, it's actually a very uplifting book about this challenge and how they approached it because they didn't see life. They didn't think they could just throw their lives away. That's not why they were doing it. They were doing it because they wanted to conquer something. And, and, uh, and they took risks to do that. But I, uh, I don't think they, I don't think they realized it would be that costly, although they tried three attempts to do it. But just the phenomenal stories that just connect with people. I think we don't use story enough. We don't use cultural narrative enough. Um, I would say in all pathway teams, for those who are listening in pathways, use stories of your players and their interactions with parents. But, but get deep stories. So England Hockey did a lovely campaign six months a year ago that, where they had parents with the, the player and they were like, oh, you were so supportive of me and the, the mum was or dad was like oh yeah thank you and the, the child was like thanks for being really supportive of me and that's lovely but I want to I don't know what did that mean what did that mean when they were being a teenager and throwing things at you and swearing at you and wanted to go out with a boy who you totally didn't approve of how were you supportive in in that moment how, you, you know what did that what did that look like that meant that they could carry on doing sports so I think if you are on a path and you do have the opportunity, I'd, I'd love to hear more about some of the England players' stories with their parents. Uh, James Haskell's very, very open about that, talking about his dad and things like that. And I think his story is he's very helpful. Not that we necessarily have to emulate those individuals, but they create conversations yeah. that we can have, which aren't me going to my son. I think it's really important you persevere at your schoolwork, buddy, because who knows what's going to happen. I mean, he, he, what kid wants to listen to that? You know, no kid wants to listen to that. No but here's Arnie. You tell him. Sorry? No matter, no, matter how how times, mate, not, no matter how times, I, I, I'm and Caleb's dyslexic. One of the things I never wanted to do was nag him about his homework. And he's actually a really good lad. He does get on with his homework. I'm not sure it's done as well as I would, as a parent would ever want it to be done. But, but it is done and we don't really have to nag him about it. But he said something to me the other day, oh, you guys always go on about homework. You're always nagging me about my homework. And I thought, bloody hell, I thought my parents always nagged me. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that's a different story. But Arnold Schwarzenegger is ridiculously driven about setting out and achieving what he wants to achieve. So we can have a really animated conversation about how cool is it that Arnie did that and things like that. And so right now we're talking about perseverance and endurance and I'm not nagging him about his schoolwork. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really good advice. I like that. Fuels all my biases around theories as well. So, uh, mate, look, it's been awesome. Mate, thank you. I really, really, oh, I really appreciate you, you and Fletch. Um, it's brilliant. I'll, I'll let you get back to the guitar and the axe. <laughs> 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 thanks mate i appreciate that um, have a good day the second uh, difficult book the guitar and the axe the, the second book is going to be 40 conversations for parents and coaches to have nice right class great work keep it up and we'll catch up soon cheers mate cheers bye bye